are tuning in to the ONP Check-In, an SPS podcast. I'm Brendan Erickson, a regional sales manager at SPS. And my name is Jackie Green, a marketing specialist at SPS. This show brings you the latest happenings in the ONP industry. We're unpacking trends and news from this tight-knit orthotics and prosthetics community. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. Knitrite's Liner Liner Prosthetic Sock with Ionic Plus is designed to be worn under a suspension liner next to the skin to relieve skin irritations and improve comfort with liners. It is a moisture-wicking and Ionic Plus silver fibers to assist in odor prevention, providing a cool and soft garment for the patient. The Liner Liner's high-stretch and ultra-thin material give the garment excellent fitting qualities. Learn more about the Knitrite Liner Liner Socks on the SPS website, spsco.com. The SPS Clinical Minute features short overviews of orthotic and prosthetic devices. In the latest video, Manager of Clinical Education Sam Brulette explains the remarkable features, coding, and specifications of the ST&G Next Step Foot with Glide Ankle. Follow the link in our show notes to learn more. Okay, hello listeners. This week, we're joined by the founder and CEO of Restorative Health Services, Mr. Aaron Sorensen. Welcome, Aaron. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining us today and allowing us to pick your brain about, you know, your experiences as a practicing clinician, as well as a business owner of multiple locations. Before we begin, could you share a little about yourself and how you got your start in ONP? Sure. So I grew up in Virginia Beach and when I was in high school, I think like many high schoolers, I really had zero direction, at least anything worthwhile. And so... My mom, she worked on uh, a board of directors where there was a gentleman whose son was actually a prosthetist, an orthotist in Virginia Beach. Uh, His name's Ron Hopkins. And Ron, obviously much older than me as an owner and me still in high school, but my mom became friends with many of the people on the board, including Mr. Bernie Hopkins, his dad. And she would hear stories about Ron Oh, back in the late 80s, mid 80s, learning how to do like myoelectric hands. And, you know, a lot of the stories they would tell when they got together, uh, it was pretty interesting. Of course, my mom's was one-sided like, yeah, he's playing basketball. And, you know, he went on a date, which wasn't real exciting. But, you know, doing myoelectric hands, she thought was pretty exciting. So she actually gave me a little direction and said, hey, why don't you think about this for a career? Um, I went in and interviewed One of his staff prosthetists at the time, Mr. Matt Hall, who now owns his own practice uh, in the Hampton Roads area as well. And so I kind of cut my teeth there at a company called P&O Associates when I was in high school working with Ron Hopkins, Matt Hall. There's a gentleman, Steve Seibert. He now owns a practice there in the Hampton Roads area as well. And so, you know, a, a young kid off the street with not a whole lot of direction and had a whole lot of mentors there and kind of gave me a little direction in life. Uh, Went to FIU to get my undergraduate when there was a program there. Again, met a lot of guys in my program and ladies as well, still friends with many of them. And they've gone off to do some really cool stuff like Paul Prusikowski with Opie was in our program. He was a year ahead of me. Um, So I was really lucky not only to have those mentors before I really got into the education side, but then to have some relationships with some people um, that are now business owners across the country. And of course, people like uh, Paul with, with Opie, 
people that have really made some significant um, impact in the industry. And then uh, again, uh, another gentleman that made a huge impact in my life. When I came out, I did my residency under Danny Ferguson in North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Stayed with him for a year. And thanks to Danny, he got me in touch with a gentleman here in Tennessee that when I came to Tennessee to get my MBA, he gave me a part-time job, which was John C. Dillard. He was known as Chuck Dillard. And he and his dad had a very small mom and pop shop called Dillard Prosthetics and Orthotics. And when I graduated, they actually gave me an opportunity to have a piece of ownership after my MBA and then actually sold me the practice in 01. When I bought the practice in 01, and again, I, I owe a tremendous amount of gratitude to the Dillard family. They financed it themselves because I was in my 20s still. I mean, there's no way a 20-year-old was going to get that kind of a loan from a bank. And so... They had a lot of trust in me and my family, and, and we have nothing but gratitude to the Dillard family for that. And through having very good people on staff, lots of residents through the years, other business owners that got to know me over the last 20 some years, we've grown to where we now have 14 offices throughout Tennessee and Georgia, and we are looking to continue to grow. And again, I guess a little credit goes to me, but I'm only one person and a staff of about 50. And it really takes a great team from technicians to OAs to clinicians to really pull all this vision together. So again, if any of my staff listens to this, I want to give a shout out to the gratitude that I have for a great staff that I have. So you were only 20 when you got your MBA? So actually had a full ride. What brought me to Middle Tennessee, um, little, little sidebar here. So I applied to over 30 schools in the Southeast. I grew up in Virginia Beach, like I said, so I'm kind of a Southern boy at heart. And two schools offered me a full ride. I had numerous schools that were gonna take me into the program. Southeast Louisiana offered me a graduate assistantship and Middle Tennessee State. What was really strange about those of you that believe in either karma or the stars or horoscopes or, or you know whatever higher power, the lady I was dating at the time actually is a professor and got a job opportunity at Middle Tennessee State. And I was like, whoa, okay, whoa. <laughs> this is like really, really odd. And so Danny Ferguson knew a very small mom and pop shop in Nashville that was going to give me a job. One of two schools to give me a full ride for my MBA was right here in Middle Tennessee. And the lady that I was dating, who is now my wife, actually had a job opportunity at MTSU. And I was like, I don't know about you, but I got to ride this ride. She was like, yeah, let's let's see where this goes. So that's how we ended up in Tennessee. So with over 14 offices and your practicing clinician, plus the advisory boards, what is your secret sauce and how do you manage to stay on top of all of it? Because you've got a lot going on. <laughs> so it's kind of what I've already kind of mentioned and alluded to. I have a, a great support system at home with my wife and my girls. We have a great team here and all of the team is really buying into the vision and understanding what we're trying to do here with providing not only good patient care, but also a, a good work environment, a very good corporate culture, which is all driven, not just from the top down, but from the bottom up. I mean, there is no corporate culture without a corporation. There's no corporation without staff. And so it, it truly is top to bottom with my staff. That with a whole lot of caffeine kind of keeps me going along with a lot of kind of self-drive and, and motivation. I've, I've always kind of been a workhorse since I was a kid. 
and and that's just I, I believe you have that in your DNA. I don't believe you can teach that, right? You either I, I, I tell people and I interview them, and, and again, I don't care if you're on my billing staff, a technician or a clinician, there are things I can't teach you that I feel I have characteristics of that I look in others. You have to care about your team, you have to care about your patient, and you have to have good work ethic. I can't teach you that. I can teach you how to bill a claim, I can teach you how to fit a patient, right? There are things I can teach you that you have to have, but it's those characteristics that I can't teach that I believe I have, and the vast majority of our staff have that we're looking for when we go to expand and grow it. And again, that gets back to that corporate culture and kind of believing into the philosophy that we feel that we have here. I like to say it's top down, but it's not. I mean, let's be honest. It's top down, bottom up, middle up, middle down, whatever you want to look at it. It's truly top to bottom. Wow, that's awesome. And, and to do it over 14 offices, that's a pretty large scale and scope. How did you grow to that size? I mean, you said you, you started with the, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was the Dillard O&P, you know, and that was, oh gosh, now if I do my math right, probably what, 25 years ago. Yeah, so it was 01 when officially the ink was drying and it was April 15th, kind of ironic, it was tax day on on 01. So we've celebrated just over 22 years. Most of that was grassroots. There are no partners here as far as ownership goes. Um, all of that is 100% me. And so it's been through other business owners that I've met through the years that are looking to retire. And they kind of believe in what we're doing here, which is truly putting patients first. I try to let our patient care model to some degree drive the business model. Now, don't get me wrong. I have to run a business. The staff understands we have to pay bills. Everyone wants a paycheck. Everybody wants a raise. I mean, there are finances, but but we try to find that balance by not letting the financial side drive the business model to the patient care side, right? And so other business owners that I've met, with, which are small mom and pop that care about patient care, little by little, they've reached out to me and said, hey, I'm looking to retire. I don't necessarily want to sell to X, Y, or Z. I like what you're doing there, and I've, I've known you through the years. You want to talk? And I was like, well, yeah, let's have a coffee. You know, let's, let's figure this out. So for the first probably 15 years, it was all grassroots, identifying markets that we could grow, opening brick and mortar, doing some just old fashioned marketing, knocking on the doors. But in the last probably four to five years, we've grown through very small acquisitions that are strategic geographically. And again, a, a shout out to John Gilbreth at Southeastern, Marty over at Choice, Bruce O'Brien at O'Brien Orthopedics. All of these owners kind of saw what we were doing, wanted their legacy to continue with good patient care, and all of those gentlemen, when they were ready to retire, reached out to me. And thanks to them, we were able to continue to grow Restorative Health Services Group through those acquisitions and continue the hard work and the patient care that they had. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned a couple different components there. And, and I think it all starts with, A, putting together a good plan, but then you being open and networking and, and actually talking with your coworkers in the field. And I mean, I know it may sound cheesy. We always say it's a tight-knit orthotic and prosthetic community, but it really is. If you have a positive attitude and you're willing to help those around you, we see it all the time. If people form these great relationships and it just, it turns out well. It does. Yeah, it does. And to that point, we've pulled together this, this in 2024, I've pulled together 
kind of what we're calling a leadership forum. And it's just a handful of business owners that I've gotten to know, that we've all gotten to know each other, and we're pulling together just kind of chew the fat for a minute and just not even talking patient care, right? It's what's worked well for you from a marketing perspective or corporate culture or your leadership style. And it's everything that makes these companies as great as they are. And and I'm really thankful to these business owners that are coming in uh, next year to kind of pull this, hopefully what's going to be a first annual. And it gets back to that networking and it's all of us checking our egos at the door and knowing that we're in different geographic areas to where we're not stepping on each other's toes. And we're just going to talk about, hey, what's worked well for us for recruiting staff and retention and, again, corporate culture and team building and, you know, HR and just fill in the blank for all of the things it takes to run a successful OMP practice outside of patient care, right? I mean, you go to these meetings, you go to the academy, you go to AOPA, you go to all this, and so much of it is patient care, which it should be. Don't get me wrong, right? I mean, what what pays the bills is patient care, but what keeps us going is also how well we can run our practices and how well we can retain staff and keep staff happy. And so that's kind of what we're doing here. And again, it just gets back to that point of networking, reaching out to other business owners, not just to say, do you want to buy or do you want to sell? Just reach out and go, hey, I got an idea. Do you have an idea? Let's share the ideas to make me and you better because the bottom line is we want happy staff, we want happy referral sources, and we want happy, functional patients. That's what it's all about. Uh, Pretty awesome. And I'll just pick one kind of category of, of a business model, but you do have so many locations and so many different minds working And it seems like you guys have all assimilated together so well. Would you see a component of your business like, say, marketing and the strategy around that change from location to location? Or after you, I wouldn't say acquire, but assimilate in somebody into your your web? Yep. Uh, You're you're absolutely right. It's, It's, again, your question earlier was a secret sauce, right? When we go into a new market, either with fresh brick and mortar or via acquisition, it's by no means to turn that market into what I want it to be. And it's by no means turning that practice into what I want it to be. Meaning here on paper is my model. I mean, don't be wrong. We have processes in place, right? And I mean, there are certain things we have to do to run efficiently, but also be effective with our patient care, also corporate culture. I mean, it's all of those things we've just kind of touched on, right? And so we know from a internal perspective, what we're looking for, for corporate culture and processes, but we also have to fit that externally into what we're looking at for that market. Are there a lot of orthopedists here? Are the orthopedists part of big practices or are they small and mom and pop shops? Do we have big rehab facilities or not? Is this an acute care level three hospital or is it a rural country hospital? We definitely have to manage to some degree, that marketing side and the operational side of what we are looking to treat in that market differently market by market, but also there are certain characteristics and qualities we want to keep internally that makes us who we are, right? Making sure you put the patient first, also making sure you're not wasting dollars if you can save a dollar. And and there's a difference in saving a dollar by not giving the patient the foot they need and what's on a formulary versus just, hey, Let's take a few extra minutes with this patient and make sure we get the fit right so they don't have to come back and spend another hour of our time for a follow-up because we spent an extra 10 minutes on the front end. So 
it's not just a waste of dollars what what's going out in the form of a check or, or you know or money order or, or you know credit card but you know time is money and if we can get more patients in because we have fewer follow-ups because we're doing a spectacular job on the front end nailing it the first time i'd rather that happen i tell my staff at the quarterly meetings i sure they get tired of hearing it but there's two or three mottos i say every quarterly meeting and one of those is if you see one less patient a day and every patient you see feels like they get the quality of care they needed, I would rather you do that. I would rather have to hire more staff to see the same number of patients than to have more patients shoved through your schedule and you're cutting corners. That's not what we're here to do. I don't want that to happen to me when I go see my cardiologist or my therapist, so I'm not gonna do it when our patients come to see us for prosthetic and orthotic care. So taking all of that, you know, being so intentional with time and money and strategy and everything, when you're looking forward towards the next year, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges that will impact the industry and impact you guys specifically? And how do you take that into account with planning? Short term, it's the same answer. It's a broken record, which gets back to the reimbursement and the oversight by the insurance companies. You know, you can talk to any business owner or even anyone in the billing side of any OMP company, and you just mention insurance and you can watch their facial expressions because they know what hurdles they have to, to, to jump. Some of those hurdles are much higher with certain payers. Some of those hurdles are much lower. We can take care of our patients much easier with some payers and a little more difficult with others. So year by year, I can tell you, that's probably gonna be an answer. Long-term, I think we're looking at technology and AI and different things that's gonna make changes. I think we'll be able to use AI to some degree to help on some of these customer service areas. I think we're gonna be AI um, to some degree to help with some of the payer issues we have, looking for keywords. And to some degree, AI is gonna start bleeding over more into the patient care and the clinical side of things. So we have to be able to look at AI and then hardware things like we've been doing 3D printing for well over a year. And I know that's getting to be a little more utilized out in the industry. And we are actually expanding our 3D printing capabilities. So I think technology is always going to be changing the way we do things, not only on a patient care side, but also how we run our practices and especially you know, you, you can't go anywhere now and not read how AI is not going to affect some kind of industry in some way. I think most people share both of your sentiments, the short term and the long term. But if we switch gears a little bit, let's talk about your limb loss mobility tour, which just wrapped up in October, if I'm correct. Can you share a little bit about that event and how it came to be? We've had it for two years. It kind of started off, our first event was May of 22. Second event was in October of this year. And the last day was the 21st of October was the last stop. We partner with different companies within the prosthetic industry, typically more on the patient care side of things, meaning directly involved to the patient where they can see and touch and feel it. I mean, we all know we use certain components, so it's not like having a component distributor or manufacturer here, but you know what patients can relate to. They can relate to socket designs. They can relate to socket fit. They can relate to how a foot feels. They can relate to how a knee functions. They can relate to their upper extremity, how a myoelectric hand performs or functions, right? I mean, all the things that the patients, if you ask them, tell me prosthetically, 
what affects the quality of your life, they're not going to say, oh, this stats adapter has a huge difference in how I work. They're going to talk about a foot, a knee, a liner, the way a liner feels, the way a suspension sleeve works, you know, different things that they can point to. So we try to partner with those kind of, of companies. And the uh, Extremity Sockets were part, partners this year. Amparo Socket were part this year. The CJ Sale Socket, Keith Cornell and, and Tony out of Boston were here to talk about their socket designs. We partnered this year with Autobach to bring in feet and knees. And so it's a way to kind of have a patient appreciation day prosthetically because we have food trucks and we have uh, giveaways for a raffle and you don't have to try a foot or a knee. All you have to do is just kind of show up, put your name in a hat, have yourself a piece of pizza, whatever it is. We have the TVs going on Saturday. We had some SEC football games going. We have guest speakers that are there. We have therapists talking about the importance of therapy and gait training. We did a CJ socket demonstration with a patient alive so the patients could see how a CJ socket is fit and have the patient give feedback. Talks from a PM&R doc about the importance of nutrition and your medications and, you know, just just again, it's a it's a kind of a prosthetic patient education day, appreciation day, kind of a fall festival. And it all comes together. And we realized after our first year of doing it that the patients asked when we were going to do it again because they were so excited because there's not a place where a patient can go and have that show and tell and touch and feel and have so many professionals, not just their prosthetist and not just my prosthetic team, but prosthetic professionals from around the country that actually come in and donate uh, to some degree, donate or willing to be here for a week of, of their professional life and personal life. And, and it does so much and, and it helps with team building internally with our staff. I mean, you'll look over and you'll see one of the regional managers going to get a bag of ice because we're low on ice and you'll see an OA helping a patient go get a, a can of Coke or whatever. I mean, no one's above or below doing anything it takes to pull this together because it's about the patient. It's about that patient experience. We have limb loss patients that aren't our patients that we invite from the community to come in. And there's by no means any kind of a hard sell or soft sell. It's not about that. It's a way that we feel we give back to the limb loss community by bringing these professionals in. And if you go to my competitor X, Y, or Z, and you try to foot and you like it, we say, here's, here's the information. You go back to your company X, Y, or Z, and you tell them you tried it. It's truly about the limb loss patient, and it's not about us trying to cultivate or, or bring in new patients and try to cherry pick. And I know firsthand, I've personally fit some patients from competitors who liked it and they were like, can my guy do this? And I'm like, yeah, your guy can do it. You know, here, here's a slick, you know, go talk to the Autobach rep or this rep or that rep and tell them to go talk to your prosthetist. And, and again, it, it is truly a way that we feel that we can give back to the limb loss community by bringing these professionals in, no matter where you get your prosthesis, and it just so happens to be great for our patients as well, because, of course, we get as many of our patients to come out to experience this. And staff love it. Patients love it. We've already got year number three scheduled. We're already starting to work on next October because it's getting bigger and bigger each year that we do it. So it's so cool. And it sounds like such a fun event. And I would say the common theme that I'm getting from speaking with you is investing in yourself, 
investing in your business, investing in your patients, and just being all in. Can you talk a little bit about the mindset that you've had throughout your career? Because this doesn't seem like an accident that that theme comes up in all of those spaces. No, you're exactly right. And my entire growing up of being a prosthetist and business owner, if you remember at the intro, I kind of talked about the different facilities and owners that I worked under. And there are a lot of great people that I worked with. And, and the one thing that I learned from these people is you can't lose sight that we're in healthcare, right? I mean, I'm not selling an Xbox. I mean, we're selling a product to some degree, but that product has a direct everyday 12 to 14 hour quality of life impact on a person. And how many people do we see a day? You are truly impacting, again, the quality of a patient life to some degree, like you are for a stroke patient with, a, with an orthosis or a limb loss patient with a prosthesis. Now, each one is a higher level of care, don't get me wrong, but each level of care is having an effect on the quality of someone's life. One may be temporary with his art support, one may be lifelong like a limb loss patient, but either way, that patient, when they walk in your door, they are looking to you for help because they are having a problem with pain or function or something and you are their solution, right? And, and I try to teach from residencies to 20 or 30 year old certified clinicians, don't ever lose sight of that. When you clock in here on a Monday morning, that is what you are here to do, right? And that's where I feel like it, it, it bleeds into the corporate culture. And I tell my staff, we have three customers that we deal with every day. We have your end consumer, which is the patient. We have the billing person that's paying for it. And we have the referral source. Tell me which person that works for an OMP company doesn't in some form or fashion deal with one of those three customers. So I don't care if you're in billing, if you're front office, if you're a technician, everybody here has a job that affects somebody in our stream of customer service. And that's why I tell my staff at every quarterly meeting back to the mottos that I preach, we are a customer service company that happens to sell kick-ass prosthetics and orthotics. You cannot lose fact that customer service comes first and the quality of the product is a very, very close second because you can deliver the best prosthesis there is, but if your customer service is horrible and your patient referral source or billing source don't think you care about them, it doesn't matter how good that product is. I love it. It's We talk about on our supply chain side of things how we are an integral part as well. And from a sales rep to a customer service rep to the people in the warehouse actually picking and pulling parts, the, the efficiency and the happiness of a worker goes up just by knowing that they're putting an AFO in a box and sending it to somebody who has gone through a traumatic stroke experience and you're helping them walk again. And you're doing the same motions of picking that and putting it in a box and sending it. But when you know it's an AFO that is changing somebody's life, it just makes your day that more fulfilling and you invest your time, you work harder. And like, I, I just love the fact that you guys are so invested in the, the end goal and you have the foresight and the constant reminder. Yeah, you can hear it at the quarterly meeting. So in the beginning of the quarterly meeting, we go over new topics, new news, whatever it is. And then we get into the, okay, here we go. You're going to hear these every meeting and you hear the staff go, oh, 
But it's at the point now they can almost tell you, and that slide comes up, it's, it's almost like one of your favorite songs where you just kind of start singing to it. You see the staff, and they just start talking right with me. We have three customers. Let's name them. And my point is, it's it's sinking in where now it's almost like muscle memory when we get to that slide. And, and even when I do site visits, just between quarterly meetings, and if you look at our goals and mission statements out in the lobbies, where they see it every day when they clock in, that's the important thing here. Again, we have to run a business, but we do not let the bottom line drive our patient care. We let the patient care to some degree drive our bottom line because we know if those patients come back year after year and month after month and the doctors send referral after referral, to some degree, it's going to take care of the bottom line. And I truly believe that's how we went 22 years ago from having two offices to now having 14 in two different states, and we're just continuing to grow. So do you have anything else that you would like to add or comment on or give a shout out to anything? No, I think it just gets back to my point. And again, when I'm interviewing, and it doesn't matter who I'm interviewing, a resident, a clinician, or whatever, I think if, if anyone's listening to this, I think just remember, care about your teammates, you know, care about your family, care about your patients, and and have good work ethic. That's what it's about. If you care, you're going to be surprised. You're going to take the extra mile to either help your fellow teammate or help your patient or help your referral source. If you don't care, you're going to cut that corner and it's going to show up in the end result, either in the quality of your product or the quality of your service and, and work ethic. I, I can't teach that, but you know, rather you want to be a regional manager, you want to be your own practice owner, or you don't want to be the best clinician or technician or whatever you can, you know, just search down. And I think if you have those things, you can do anything in this world you want to do, but especially in the profession of OMP, you'll be a star. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your super busy schedule. And we're just super proud to be associated with you guys and be a partner with you. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words. If you would like to learn more about restorative health services or connect with Aaron on LinkedIn, follow the link in our show notes. Thank you for tuning in to the ONP Check-In, an SPS podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to episodes. And while you're at it, rate and review the podcast to help fellow ONP professionals find us. Email us your topic suggestions and feedback at SPS podcast at SPSCO.com. See you next time. <laughs>